The Ruddy Reveal podcast is a part of the Ruddy Reveal subscription service conducted by Ruddy Man Grooming Company. Please listen further for clues and information that will aid you in your search for the truth with this month's mystery. What you got? asked Gabby as the two bearded agents met at the office doors to Shady Plains Church. Kurt summarized what he'd found out from his session with the Mallorys, and Gabby returned the favor. I want to take a look around the church grounds, said Kurt. Maybe we'll find something that helps us with some more leads. When we're finished, we can question the chair people the pastor told us about. Gabby inclined his head, and the two walked inside. A preliminary search of the church showed the usual setup. A sanctuary with pews and a stage area for pulpit and choral risers, a small lobby area for folks to walk inside, the office area, and above that, a second floor for Sunday school classrooms. No one was there in the church, and nothing looked out of place. They even ran a quick look at the pastor's study, noting that it simply looked like any other pastor's study might. Bookcases full of theological tomes, more modern biographies on how recent pastors had turned their churches around, a computer, and numerous notepads. Nothing stood out, so Gabby said, I feel like there are some pieces we need to find there somewhere, pointing to the front door. Kurt agreed, and they walked back out to their vehicles, taking in all of the well-manicured yard and dark color of the newly poured blacktop parking lot. The graveyard across the street was both immaculately cared for and locked up, a sure testament to the priorities of the church's membership in the past. Look, I'll I'll chat with Deacon. Who's it? Uh, Deacon Breaker, yeah. I'll go find out what I can from him. You got the money, lady? Asked Gabby. Yep, Kurt responded succinctly. Meet back here in an hour? Sure thing, waved the red-hued agent, and they both drove off in opposite directions. Kurt pulled up to a small brick home with a beautiful garden out front and strode to the front step. Knocking twice with a small brass half-circle adorning the door, He waited, and presently a small woman in her late sixties opened it a crack and asked, Yes, how can I help you? Kurt flashed his badge. Kurt Steadfoot of the Ruddy Detective Agency, ma'am. My partner and I are investigating the disappearance of Artemis Mallory, the daughter of your church pastor. May I come in and have a word? The woman opened the door wide and said, Yes, yes, do come in. I'm Mara Vanderbilt. Such a travesty, that poor girl. I heard about it from the church prayer line. Please, take a seat, won't you? I'll get the kettle on. Kurt thanked her as she shuffled away on her cane to the kitchen. Looking around, he noticed a side table near the settee in the sitting room that held a large pair of bivocals and the grocery pages from several newspapers. A set of scissors was laid across a short pile of coupons. He looked up and smiled genially as the older woman made her way back in. Waiting for her to take a seat, he settled into a rocking chair near the door and said, Thank you for seeing me. I only have a few questions, and I'll be on my way. Marrow waved her hand and said, Take all the time you need. I don't have anything taking my attention except this 50-cent coupon for cube steak. (laughs) She laughed full-throated and went on. How can I help you, detective? Well, Miss Vanderbilt, I came here to ask you about your relationship to the new pastor, Reverend Mallory. I've spoken to him regarding the incident this morning, but he doesn't have a great many details to share since he was visiting a parishioner at hospice during the event at the park. We're just rounding all of our bases here, but when we asked him if there were any folks at Shady Plains who didn't seem to hold him in any kind of high esteem, 
Your name was brought up. The woman clutched at her neck and gasped. Why, whatever does that mean? She nearly cried out. You are the head of finance council at the church, are you not? Asked the agent. Yes, I am, and I do a fine job at it, she snapped. Now, if there's any aught between me and the pastor, well, it's just because he has been constantly turned down for any financial aid for these harebrained ideas of his. By harebrained, you mean events like the community Easter egg hunt from this morning? Pressed the detective. Yes, just like that one, she said pointedly. You see, my father and a great many other God-fearing men and women before me helped raise that church from the ground up, and we've been good stewards of the money that we've been given responsibility for. This young pastor decided that instead of keeping a savings account, we needed to bleed it dry to bring in new people who have no idea how hard it was to build that church, let alone keep it clean from all the mud on their children's shoes. Why... Any time he puts on an event like that, it takes twice as long to remove the stains those kids drag into the building with them. We even had to repaint the handrails on the handicap ramp outside because of those young families. She grew red as she recalled the reported mess. Kurt wanted to ask her if she'd ever had any children, but that made no difference at the moment to the investigation. Instead, he surged ahead. You say he's been constantly turned down by your committee for funding to carry out these events. How has the church been able to hold them if you all aren't allowing him to pay for them with church money? Well, that's just it. I don't know. I keep a strict ledger of what goes in and out of the church's bank, and I simply assumed that he's had some anonymous donor who has helped him run those ungodly activities. She suddenly looked around like someone who had turned a light on in her eyes. Say, you don't think that that might be the person who took little Artemis, do you? Maybe he couldn't pay back a debt and that ne'er-do-well took his daughter? We're investigating all possibilities, ma'am. But I will be needing to take a look at the church's financial records to corroborate your story just as a precaution. I'll call the local precinct to get a warrant and as soon... Ah, don't bother, dear. It just so happens I have a statement from yesterday right here. Take this copy. I can always gather another. If it helps keep me... Ah, uh, uh, us out of the limelight. I'll do whatever it takes to help out, soothed the woman. Kurt started towards the door, and upon reaching the doorknob, turned and asked the elderly lady, Say, Miss Vanderbilt, it's been a long day. Is there any way I could use your bathroom before I leave? The woman smiled and pointed down the hall. Last door on the left, dear. Kurt thanked her and made his way to the doily-covered privy. Locking the door behind him, he scanned the small area. Floral patterns were printed on everything except the porcelain and next to the toilet was a basket of reading material. Rummaging through the basket, he only found small quarterly pamphlets with new church class teaching materials, another run of uncut coupons, and a Bible, apparently placed by the Gideons. I thought the Gideons only placed Bibles in hotels, thought the amused agent. Quickly flushing and turning the faucet on, he thought a moment while washing his hands. Something about this case isn't right on several counts. I need to talk to Gabby. Walking out of the bathroom, he returned to the sitting area, nodded to the elderly woman, and said, Thank you for your time, Miss Vanderbilt. We'll be in touch if we need anything else from you. The detective took his leave and headed back towards the church building. Ah, well, Pastor Mallory is a good man, and he means well, but he just needs to learn his boundaries, said the man in his middle fifties, chain-smoking his unfiltered choice of cigarette on the front stoop. In truth... 
This was the third he'd had in the seven or so minutes Gabby had been in his company, and the sleuth found himself wondering how long a man could go without actual oxygen hitting his lungs. "'What do you mean, boundaries, Mr. Breaker?' the detective inquired. "'Well, see, he's not from around here, and that's no problem at all. But if and he's going to lead these people, spiritually speaking, of course, then he's going to have to understand how their minds work. I've lived here all my life.' I know the people of this town, and I understand the importance of what Pastor is saying, so I try to keep the peace betwixt the two. So you see yourself as a liaison of sorts, eh? Is that a voted-in position in your congregation? asked Gabby. Chuckling, the chairman of the deacons leaned back in his rocking chair and looked the detective dead in the eye, saying, <laughs> Well, no, not exactly. Call it a silent vote, if you will. I have a duty to those I've lived my life with here. I've seen how the town has struggled, and when it turned around, I saw it flourish. When it started downhill again, I saw the faithful who poured out of their own pockets to keep that church afloat. Gabby narrowed his gaze. You know, Mr. Breaker, I take you for a straight shooter, but all I'm hearing is what you might call beating around the bush. For both our sakes, speak plainly. You're talking about the savings account, are you not? At this, the deacon visibly ruffled, clearly not used to having someone challenge his methods of communication. He straightened up a bit, lost his diplomatic smile, and his tone changed from jovial to just less than menacing. All right, I'll be blunt with you, officer. Detective, please, interrupted Gabby, who genuinely loved seeing power abusers shift in their seats. Detective, corrected the perturbed parishioner. Pastor Mallory came here with visions of grandeur in his head, said our little church was going to be known in the community as a group of believers that truly practiced what was preached in the pulpit, so long as he was the man standing behind it. And that meant we'd be using the funds in the savings account to do so-called outreach events to bring in new life and families, thus ensuring the lasting legacy of the gospel at Shady Plains. Pure frivolity, if you ask me. What? We do a couple of cookouts, bring in the sheaves of people he claimed would come, and then when lightning strikes the steeple as it has done three times in the past decade, we just stand there with a charred belfry because there's no money to pay for repairs? Come now, detective. We have more sense than that. And pride, I'll bet, jabbed Gabby. He knew it was a low blow and unprofessional, but he truly couldn't stand this guy. Before the smoking man could turn a shade redder, though, he continued on with his line of questioning. You see, Mr. Breaker, your name turned up when we asked the pastor about who might have some kind of conflicting ideals with him. As you well know by now, I'm sure, his daughter went missing at the Easter egg hunt this morning, and we have to cover all our angles to see if she might be recovered before it's too late. At this, the deacon's neck turned a blood-red tinge, and he carefully withdrew the cigarette from his mouth, leaning forward in his chair until he was close enough to Gabby that the individual rivulets of red and the whites of his eyes were crystal clear. Through gritted teeth, he growled, Now you listen here, detective. I'm a father and a grandfather, and I adore children and the joy they bring to a family and community, and not like some of those perverts you've likely come across in your travels, but as a protector of innocence. 
They are some of the only things that are good about humanity. So for you to even allude to the notion that I might be involved in a plot to steal a little girl from her family and to do so on my own front porch is entirely out of line and completely insulting to my person. You would do well to take that line of thinking out of your mind, sir. He sat back, looked off towards the road, and as the red left his face, he lifted the cigarette to his lips again, took a puff, and resumed his diplomatic tone. I will say that the pastor and I have been at odds about certain topics of his sermons. Telling folks what they can and cannot put into their bodies, for instance. He raised the smoldering stick as an example. If in my body is a temple, well, then I believe there's a scripture or two about the temple filling with smoke when the Lord was within it. <laughs> at this he chuckled again, clearly amused at his own twisting of biblical content. Other than that, the only thing I ever bucked the pastor on was his intended use of the funds found in the church's bank. He was simply being unwise, and it would end up costing our church body in the long run, and, sir, we've seen our share of preachers come and go try new things, spend our money, and then leave when the call took them elsewhere. I may look it, but I ain't stupid, and I won't let anyone sabotage us again. At this, Gabby furrowed his brow. Did you succeed in keeping him from using the funds for those events? If so, how did something like this morning's hunt take place? The deacon shrugged. I'm sure I do not know, detective. He didn't have a dime from the church's bank to spend on it, so your guess is as good as mine. Now, if you'll excuse me, it is my lunchtime, and my wife is waiting inside for me. Good day, and good luck with your inquiries. Before Gabby could say another word, the man put out his cigarette, got up from his rocking chair, and entered his house, shutting the door behind him. The two agents met again in the church parking lot, and as they entered the building, Kirk quickly said, We have a few minutes before the Mallorys arrive. I called them and asked them to meet us here for a few more questions and another run at their stories. Gabby nodded, and the two filled each other in on their findings. The glaring question on both of their minds was obvious. If the church had not given financial support to the outreach events that had taken place in the recent past, what entity or person had? They mused about this while they took one last look at the main hallway in which the pastor's study was situated. Kurt had Gabby take another sweep of the study itself, just in case he'd missed something earlier that might help. As he did so, Kurt rounded the corner and headed into one of the restrooms, genuinely interested in what he might find. Nothing there except more of the quarterlies that he'd seen at Miss Vanderbilt's home. Shaking his head, he made his way back to the study, where he found Gabby rifling through the bottom drawer on the desk, a drawer that had a small keyhole in it. Kurt remembered that with their initial look at the room, it had been locked. "'How'd you get into that? You didn't jimmy it open, did you?' he asked his ruddy companion. "'Nothing so devious,' smiled Gabby. "'I simply ran my hands on the top of the door frames, and wouldn't you know it, there was a key there.' As he searched the contents of the drawer, Kurt sat in the chair opposite the desk, wondering aloud, "'I feel like I missed something here.' "'Oh, yeah? What's that?' asked Gabby. "'Well, I just feel like... If we could find some kind of lead on that note, we'd be good. For whatever reason, I can't help thinking that we should have found some proof or something. It doesn't make sense. Clearly, the two folks Mallory pointed out don't like him, but there hasn't been any kind of crime in this town since the 60s. I mean, a kid steals bubblegum once every two years or so, but small towns like this can't hide big crimes well, typically. 
You're right, they can't, said Gabby, pulling something from the bottom of the drawer pile. Take a look at these. Passing a thick wad of envelopes across the desk, Gabby handed the packet to Kurt, who instantly recognized them as bill collection notices. Smells like debt, don't it, eh, Kurt? Kurt nodded, noticing that the address was in a town 30 minutes away from here, but the recipient name on the envelopes was that of Pastor Mallory. Hmm, Kurt muttered under his breath. What you thinking there, Kurt? Kurt grimaced and said, I'm thinking we need to talk to the pastor again.